As business owners, we all want to create more momentum, leverage our time and live our best life, right? Well, today I'm sharing some techniques that help create better work habits so you can stop getting distracted and start getting your most important work done. Catch up in a moment. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every episode, I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Hello, hello. How's everything going today? I am so excited to talk about how you can go from disorganized, unmotivated and distracted to flying through your most important tasks at lightning speed. Because when you get good at this flow and flurry of productive work, you've got more time in your day to chill and get to other things in your life. Of course, this comes from someone who's still a recovering workaholic. But still, I'm an efficiency girl, and the time I do spend working, I want to be focused and productive in relation to my priorities and goals. And managing distraction is a huge part of achieving the kind of hyper-productivity that I'm very well known for. Let's set the scene. Most days, you pop yourself down on a chair at your desk, raring and ready to tackle the most important tasks on your to-do list, right? Well, on a good day. Hopefully, if you're doing work that's important to you, you'll start the day inspired, excited and motivated. You have stuff to do and people to see. Maybe you're talking to a potential new client, creating new program content or just diving into some research for a project you're doing. Maybe it's a book you've been needing to read. Maybe it's a book you've always wanted to write. Perhaps this week is all about mapping out your next month's worth of thought-provoking content or writing a set of new relationship-building emails for your subscribers. And then it happens. You get distracted. Maybe you can possibly click over to Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever is your social media place and lost hours without even realizing it. Maybe you just needed to Google this one thing or check that one email really quick or just reply to that one DM only to come up for air three hours later with your to-do list still very much untouched. You know the story. Or maybe it wasn't technology that led you astray. Maybe you had to take the dog out for the zillionth time. Well, the kids are craving another snack. The washer's buzzing and signaling it's time to hang the clothes out. Or it's the well-meaning but highly distracting Amazon delivery person dropping off the package you forgot you even ordered. Well, at least they drop it at the door these days, unlike the postman, who always seems to want to hang around for a chat. And I don't like to be rude. But bit by bit, somehow, your entire afternoon is shot. By the way, the outcome is the same. You never got done what you truly wanted to get done. And you're no closer to where you want to be today than you were six months ago. And it's starting to eat you up slowly but surely, month by month by month. Falling short of your goals is never fun. If you can relate, you're in the right place. And you're far from alone. Today's episode is all about distraction action. So you can kick your distractions to the curb and boost your productivity. 
we're going to explore strategies for diminishing the daily distractions that cause us to lose focus on business tasks. And you know all too well, distractions hurt our business and our ability to grow or attract new clients. Without new clients, we have no business. If you've been plagued by distractions, have no fear. You're not alone. The strategies and tools we're going to discuss today are easy to implement. Take notes and get ready to take action. Today, we'll look at scheduling and environmental aspects of our workplace that affect our ability to focus and avoid those distractions. And then next time in part two, we'll move towards wrangling your email inbox and social media and the tech tools that can help you leverage your time on those very common distraction monsters. If you've never been distracted during your workday, please take a bow. I'm talking about no household chores while getting your breakfast or coffee, no daydreaming about your vacation plans, no writing out your grocery list, no browsing on Amazon for that thing that you almost can't remember that you wanted. If you're able to sit and concentrate solely on work in between your meal breaks, then you've got the magic and don't need to be here. As humans, we are destined to have short attention spans, unfortunately, and working from home doesn't make it very easy. With the onslaught of technology, our brains and attention are drawn to millions of pieces of information each day. If anything, we all suffer from information overload, which makes focusing much, much harder. Over the years, parents have noticed this short attention span in their children. Teachers have noticed it in the classroom. Smartphones give kids instant gratification and constant connection, plus fun games. It's no wonder parents complain about the difficulty of getting their kids unplugged. Internet addiction is a real thing for all of us. One of the best depictions of being distracted occurred in the Disney Pixar movie, Up. One of the characters, Doug the dog, is famous for holding a conversation and then midway through noticing a squirrel which interrupts his speech and train of thought. I know a few people in my family that do that too. It's comical in the movie and many joke about being this way in real life. But how does being distracted affect your life? If you're distracted at work, it's showing up in other places in your life too. And that's worth exploring. Start off by acknowledging your distractions and making a list. What do you face during your workday? I bet some of them will surprise you. Dig deeper than email or social media. We'll definitely cover those, but think about all the little things that occupy your day. If you find you're getting a bit late to start your day, how are you spending those early hours? Are you scrolling on your phone, catching up on last night's favorite TV show? You might have dubbed this as me time, which is certainly important, but it is impacting your productivity. It kind of makes a sluggish start to your day, I found when I do that. Are you able to grow your business and produce the content your audience is begging for and serving all your clients to the best of your abilities while accepting these distractions? Because if the answer is no, then you're in the right place. After you take this initial inventory of distractions for yourself, think about your why. Why did you start your business? Why did you become a coach or a consultant or some other service provider? Sometimes our whys change and that's okay, but reconnect with your why, how you're in service to people, so you can refocus your energy on the big picture goals. 
If you've got a vision board posted in a prominent place in your office or home, save a copy as your screensaver or computer phone wallpaper. If you prefer to journal, revisit some old entries to remember why you chose this path. You might uncover a nugget you forgot or a story that holds some importance in your decision making. No matter what answers you discover, reconnect with your why. It's really going to make you jump out of bed in the morning a lot, lot sooner. This process of rediscovering your why won't eliminate your distractions altogether. In fact, some people believe your distractions will always remain. However, how you react to them and the speed with which you can shift away from the distraction is the difference between reaching your goals and getting stuck in quicksand. Committed action is what will propel you towards your goals and the strategies I'm sharing today are action steps that you can implement fairly quickly. We've a lot to get through, so grab some paper if it helps, so take notes and let's get started. I will be sharing a workbook with you um, after the next episode when we've finished all of the steps and so that you can use that to kind of go over this again as well. So step one, we want to be setting a rock solid schedule for your deep work and slay your most demanding tasks first. Brian Tracy talks about eat that frog in his book by that name. And it's really interesting because it's basically to do the most difficult task first. And he said, if you've got two difficult tasks, then eat the ugliest frog first, which I thought was a really funny way to think about it. So whenever I've got these tasks in front of me, I'm always thinking about frogs. Procrastination is a, an avoidance technique that serves no purpose whatsoever in our lives. We get ourselves wrapped up in the difficulty of a task or the duration of a task and then talk ourselves out of doing it or putting it off for later. Intellectually, we know that task isn't going away, especially if you're a solopreneur, but it gives us a temporary feeling of relaxation. However, procrastination ultimately leads to anxiety because when you're behind on a deadline or missing client prep work or backing out of networking events, you're creating unnecessary stress on yourself. This is completely avoidable if you learn how to prioritize your work. I often find that I procrastinate on work that requires deep cognitive processing. If I feel tired or I'm not sure how to get into that task, I will put it off. Do you do that too? Dr. Cal Newport defines this as deep work in his book of the same name, as focused, uninterrupted, undistracted work on a task that pushes your cognitive abilities to their limit. Well, depending on your business of priorities, your deep work will look different from someone else's. But in general, deep work's the work that you need to move your business forward. And that's super important. I'll say that again. Deep work's the work that you need to move your business forward. Deep work includes anything you're creating, such as social media content, email newsletters, books, ebooks, new sales funnel content, mapping stuff out as well, where you're really looking at it from a strategic level. While shallow work will include anything that's less cognitively demanding. Shallow work consists of tasks that others can do, like graphic design if you're not a designer, and tasks that don't create much value, like unnecessary meetings or fiddling around with some tech thing. If you take an inventory of your daily tasks and you find your shallow work tasks outnumber your deep work, 
it's really time to outsource and get a virtual assistant, a VA. Or if you already have a team, then you're obviously not delegating enough. So how do you get deep work done? According to Newport, the answer lies in minimizing distractions. He dubs distractions anything that you'd rather be doing than deep works, particularly if you're having some resistance towards it. I'll go a bit further and say distractions are an escape from your important work, which is pushing you perhaps out of your comfort zone. In many cases, when you feel the desire to procrastinate is because you're on the cusp of personal growth. You're on the cusp of something amazing, something new, something innovative. And when that nervous energy builds up, especially when you're trying something new, it's when you must push through and take that leap of faith. Think about this. How many times have you dreaded starting a project only to find out it wasn't as difficult as you thought or it didn't take as long as you expected it to? It's often a surprise realization where you question why you thought it would be so difficult or take so long in the first place. Where did that story come from? I've learned over the years that these stories we tell ourselves often have no basis in reality. They're made up by our ego, which is meant to keep us safe in our comfort zone. Think about how great it feels to realize that stretching wasn't nearly as difficult as you expected. And also I find that once I just make a start, then I get into a, like a flow state where then I'm really in my best strategic and creative place in my brain. So I know that just getting started will be the thing to focus on because once I'm going, I'll be absolutely fine. I've learned that and that's now the story that I tell myself. Procrastination is the creator of many, many bad habits. Here's a rhetorical question for you. What happens when you'd rather scroll aimlessly through your social media feeds instead of working on your latest course or when you're looking at your phone notifications instead of prepping for your client call? Do you think your business will grow with procrastination and distractions? No, obviously. So let's conquer this problem once and for all. Most of us simply try to use our willpower to overcome distraction. However, Newport mentions in his book that we all have a limited amount of willpower. When you start off with a finite amount of willpower, you'll quickly deplete your supply if you're constantly going back and forth between deep work and distractions. As your day goes on, you'll find it more difficult to avoid distractions. and You'll likely feel deflated at the end of the day, believing that you wasted too much time. Many people who fall into this way of thinking feel like they're always trying to play catch up by adding the work they should have done today to tomorrow's to-do list. Do you do that? As you can guess, this way of thinking and being is not sustainable. It really creates a lot of anxiety and sense of doing a bad job and failing, which is super unhelpful. Instead of playing catch up, let's focus instead on putting perimeters in place that will help you get your work done and eliminate these distractions. One way to do this is to choose one of the deep work strategies which Dr. Newport outlines in his book. I'm just going to go through them now. There's actually four different kinds of deep work strategies. The first is monastic. This means focusing solely on deep work. Cut shallow activities completely on these days and tell everyone, family, friends, peers, that you're unavailable. 
I do this mostly on a Friday. Bimodal is the second one. Choose a few consecutive days to work monastically. Example, deep work happens Monday to Wednesday. And then you have general calls and meetings and other less deep tasks on Thursdays and Fridays. So the third strategy is rhythmic. So that means doing deep work daily. Do three to four hours of deep work each day. Example, blocking off your calendar from 8 till 12 p.m. every day for deep work and saving the shallower work for the afternoon hours. Now, you need to think a little bit about your biorhythm in this respect as to whether that works for you. But time blocking is a really useful way of just being in the zone and keeping your distractions to a minimum. The fourth one is journalistic. You're fitting deep work in whenever possible. This means instead of scrolling social for 15 minutes, you dive into your main project at the moment. Drawbacks to this strategy are that you have to be able to switch between shallow work and deep work on a dime, and not everybody's that good at it. It's not like multitasking, it's about task switching. And I think some people can do it more easily than others, but you can also train yourself to get good at it because it's just a mental switch. Research says this is a skill you can build and that the more experience you have, the easier this will be. It can be a good fit for those with shorter attention spans and who prefer to mix things up throughout the day. Now, the words deep and shallow maybe are a little odd to be using when you talk about client calls as being shallow work. But I guess one way of looking at it is that the deep work is really where you do your strategic work. Whereas the shallow work is where you're in your genius zone and it should be fairly easy to do that kind of work. You're not being challenged, you're not out of your comfort zone, although there sometimes could be client work that fits a little bit between the two. But when you're actually on calls with clients, then you're generally in your modus operandi, you're generally in your area where you are quite comfortable in your expertise. So that's why I'm calling it shallow work in this respect. And of course, these aren't the only strategies for getting your work done. Here are a few other strategies to stretch your days to get deep work completed. One, give yourself finite limits. Parkinson's law states that work will expand into the time allocated. So setting time limits for every task on your plate means you'll limit procrastination and also banish burnout. For example, declaring, I'll finish this book outline in three hours is useful because you're working against the clock and your brain recognizes that time limit, provided it's a reasonable one. And it's going to be easier to avoid distractions because of that limitation when you're really up against the wall and you put yourself there purposely. Similarly, if you know you want to end your workday at 3 p.m. so you can focus on maybe getting your kids after they get off the school bus, use that as an impetus to avoid distractions. Prioritize your tasks and choose to start your day earlier so you can keep your word to yourself and your family to end on time. Another great little strategy is to create what I call batch days. Group similar tasks together, such as taking all your calls on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I do this a lot. It really, really helps me. It helps me get in the zone for the type of tasks that I'm batching. Also things like writing and planning social media content. I do that on Fridays and Saturdays. Choose a particular day for each type of task and schedule shallow work around that schedule. 
get to know yourself is another really important strategy. It's important that you know how long you can realistically create or concentrate in any given day, week, or even in a quarter or the seasons. If you know how long your tasks take you, you can even get super granular and create an hourly to-do list. At the end of the hour, aim to take a break and do something else for five minutes. I often say to people, because I work for myself, I don't really have like the Monday to Friday nine to five routine. So when I mentioned earlier that I work on the Saturday sometimes, it's because I wanted to be able to have like half a day off or a day off here and there whenever I want to. The Pomodoro technique is quite popular these days. It's formulated around um, research about how most humans concentrate and it suggests working in 25-minute bursts, followed by a five-minute break. Try it out with a Chrome extension like Strict Workflow, which will also allow you to block certain websites. Or just set a 25-minute timer on your phone. If 25 minutes feels too long, start with 10-minute focus sessions, and then gradually increase the time. Take notes about how long you can focus on your deep work for. Figure out if you have different limits for different types of tasks or different seasons can really affect your energy and your mood. Have you ever heard of summer Fridays? They exist in the corporate world for a reason. It's the end of what is often a very long day. But it's also because in the summer, we just want to get outside and we want to, like the days are longer and, you know, we, we want to start our weekend, right? So once you've decided on a general philosophy for your approach to your unique deep work, schedule your deep work time and stick to it. This boundary setting is extremely important, especially if you want to grow your business. Scheduling deep work into your calendar, no matter what that looks like, minimizes the need to use willpower to get things done. Humans have this limit to our willpower, so we really can't rely on it completely. The next factor to look at is what time of day you're most productive. Not everyone is a morning person. I am certainly not. And it really helps because I have a lot of clients in North America on different time zones. So I tend to work late into the evening, but I don't really start till about midday. And if you're not a morning person, starting work with your morning caffeine shot of coffee may not be your best move because it does tend to sort of drag you down. And likewise, those who aren't night owls will only be discouraged if they can't concentrate when the kids are in bed. No matter what type of schedule you decide to use, be sure to schedule your work within your days during the times you're most naturally productive. That's what I meant earlier about biorhythm. So when you're doing the time blocking, really make sure you're in tune with your own energy levels through the day and see how that changes from season to season as well. Which scenario do you resonate with? Number one, do you notice you tend to have lots of focus in the morning? Well, plan to do your deep work during your morning hours and save more shallow tasks for the afternoon or evening when your energy's dipped. What about scenario number two? Do you need to ease into your day, but you thrive in the evening hours when the house is quiet? Schedule calls then during the mid-late afternoon hours and save your creative energy for the nighttime. There's no right or wrong. It's simply a matter of knowing yourself and giving yourself permission to create a schedule that suits your creativity and your deep work energy. 
Isn't that what working for yourself is all about? We create our own schedule. I love it. Okay, so step number two in our managing distractions. Now that you've chosen a strategy and have created a schedule that works for you so that when you know where your energy is, you can do deep work and properly focus, it's time to look to other things that might distract you. Now, environment plays a huge role in how focused or not so focused we are, and many environmental distractions can be eliminated. One of the biggest distractions, you know what I'm going to say, is our smartphones. They are remarkable pieces of technology, of course, but they also have a tremendous pull when we're trying to avoid doing something. Yes, they're often the direct line of communication to our family and friends, but having it within arm's reach can be dangerous. At the very least, turn off your notifications so they don't disturb you during your deep work periods. Obviously, you need to be able to be available and notifications are a big part of being responsive. But when you're doing your deep work, you want to really make sure that you do give it that 25 minutes or that hour or whatever you've allocated. And also, you do need to be available for emergencies, say for your kids or if you've got elderly parents. Maybe even consider leaving the phone in another room. But, you know, you'll still hear the ring of the calls, but you'll be less tempted to pick it up during your focused times. It's a super simple strategy, but it might be difficult for some since we're so used to having our phones nearby. Practice this daily though, and take note of how you feel by the end of the week. I'm guessing it'll become easier and your anxiety about the phone will diminish rather quickly. Also take note of your productivity level. Here are some other tips for creating an enriching environment for getting deep work done. Number one, create a designated space specifically for getting your deep work done. An office is ideal, especially one with a door that you can close, but choose anywhere in your home where you can really get in the zone and where you can concentrate. If possible, choose a second place for completing shallow work. For example, you may not perform creative tasks from the kitchen table, but you might respond to emails or skim social media or visit your favorite coffee shop for these shallow tasks. Compartmentalizing like this will create a strong association in your brain and you'll automatically switch into deep or shallow mode when in these particular areas. I've really experienced this for myself. The second tip is to choose your background noise wisely. What you hear while working actually does affect how easy it is for you to stay focused or not. Music can either give you a boost or chill you out. You may discover that music itself is a distraction and that working in peace and quiet is ideal. If you're someone who prefers some ambient noise, use a tool like Coffitivity, I'll put it in the show notes, to get that cafe ambience even when you're working from home. Music without lyrics tends to work well for many people and you'll find quite the wide array of classical and contemporary instrumentals on Spotify or YouTube. Do a search for focusing music or binaural beats or lo-fi music designed specifically for work or focus or effortless learning. Meditation music specifically for work is another option that can calm your brain while enhancing your focus and your creativity. 
If you prefer silence, consider purchasing noise-cancelling headphones to use in your favourite cafe or at home, especially if you have neighbours who manage to do their noisy garden hedge trimming or lawn mowing at inopportune moments. It can really break your concentration. In addition to making these physical changes, craft a regular go-to ritual that triggers your brain into work mode. Much like a morning ritual can set you up in a positive mood to conquer your day, this type of work time ritual can psych you up to be productive. Whether it's a pep talk or a dance party, these rituals will train your brain to shift gears into productivity. Make these rituals fun and unique for yourself. Here's three ideas to consider. Number one, smell. Always light a specific candle or diffuse your favorite blend of essential oils. Have you ever heard that if you want to sell your home quickly, try baking chocolate chip cookies before an open house? Or put hot uh, oranges in a bowl? Well, there's a whole psychology behind aromatherapy, and it's no surprise that certain scents can trigger our productivity. The second is taste. Always drink the same type of tea or flavored water. Soon your brain will recognize that this drink equals time to work. And the third is touch or texture. Always put your hair up or wear a specific necklace. Always grab a specific crystal to either look at or hold. And going back to the phone for a moment, have you told your family and friends your business hours? Setting business hours is important for both your clients and your family friends. I know how tempting it is to get a call from your mom or your bestie during the day. And even if you plan to say a quick hello and tell them you'll call back, inevitably it turns into 30 plus minutes. And my best friend, who's in Holland, is also it turns into like two hours. I'm like, no, I didn't have time for this. So now I'm always trying to kind of schedule those calls because, you know, it's nice to be able to spend that time, but not in the middle of your work day and when you've kind of got things you're trying to finish off. So set business hours and tell people that you're unavailable to chat. Obviously, this doesn't count in an emergency, but it will certainly eliminate the need for them to call to ask random questions. No matter what you choose to smell, taste, touch or listen to, these rituals will help create a distraction-free productivity zone for yourself. So step three is about prepping your space and your brain for instant brilliance. Do you perform regular brain dumps? If you're unfamiliar with that term, let me elaborate. A brain dump is the process of putting all the things swirling in your head onto paper or into a notepad if you're using a digital tool. Things that you want to do, stuff that you need for the grocery store, preparations you need to do for a holiday or a party, appointments you need to schedule. Every single detail that's floating in that head of yours gets dumped onto the list. Makes sense when it's called a brain dump, right? One colleague told me about a technique where he'd do a daily brain dump and then schedule all those things on his calendar. Even the one-minute phone call to schedule a dentist appointment was assigned a time, as was the trip to the dry cleaner or an online grocery order. And I've been doing that myself ever since. It's amazing. In fact, I do it as I go along. I don't just always do a brain dump onto a list because as soon as I think of something, I actually make an appointment in my uh, calendar. But it does mean it goes straight out of my head and into my calendar so then I can just keep going with my work. The biggest tasks, like outlining his next group coaching program, would get larger blocks of time across multiple days. 
but all the smaller tasks were scheduled for one day. What's the purpose, you ask? Well, in general, a brain dump clears your head. Instead of waiting for the dentist office to open, you can focus on other things because you've got to call dentist written down. You're not using up that brain space, remembering what you have to do. The colleague that told me this swears that with his brain dump strategy, he felt calmer and more productive after he got those smaller tasks complete. Another client finds she could delegate certain smaller tasks to her assistant, thereby clearing even more for her business building tasks. When your mind is relaxed, you'll find it easier to process information or to recall details necessary for completing your writing or coaching products. Do a brain dunk before you dive into deep work. See how it goes for you, whether that's daily or just on the days you have creative time blocked off. And if you don't like the name brain dump, that's fine. You can you know, find one that has you know, some stronger, deeper feelings of cluttering your mind. Use Julian uh, Cameron's exercise called Morning Pages. This exercise varies in that, you know, you're writing whatever comes to mind, which may be more than a grocery store list. Morning pages might include how you're feeling about a family situation, an argument with a loved one, or the stress of sending your child off to college. The idea here is to write longhand for three pages unedited. If you go longer than three pages, wonderful. That means you're getting in touch with your feelings and you're clearing more from your brain. From Julia's website, morning pages provoke, clarify, comfort, cajole, prioritize, and synchronize the day at hand. Don't overthink morning pages. Just put three pages of anything on the page and then do three more pages tomorrow. Now, when you set aside time to do something like that, it might feel counterintuitive. Aren't I supposed to be managing distraction and minimizing the time I spend on these kind of tasks? but actually you'll find your productivity does increase because you're freeing up space in your mind, in your brain, so that you actually get tasks done faster. You don't procrastinate. You maybe make a better job of it. You just go stronger and faster. Another thing that often distracts entrepreneurs is not having everything they need in one place when they sit down to get things done. So gather what you need ahead of time. And some people focus best when they have already prepped everything they need before their deep work time. So round up tools, supplies, apps, your planner, your agenda, your notebook, Google Drive, your Dropbox, have those tabs open. Self-care tools like a full water bottle, your favorite brain-boosting essential oils, headphones, snacks, blue blocker glasses, whatever you need to concentrate. Now, if you're creating Open any documents with notes or websites or books that you might need to reference. Before just trying to dive into a project, I find it really helps to create an outline or a short plan of attack. Use calendars for planning your social media posts and editorial efforts. We'll talk about that in the next episode. And plan ahead so you're never caught off guard with what to publish. Take care of anything that might interrupt you. Let the dog out so you don't sit down to your desktop and immediately get interrupted. Don't schedule any package deliveries or Instacart orders during business hours. Don't put in a load of laundry, or if you do, plan it so it's done when you'll be done with your work, not before. 
And if necessary, create a checklist of items to complete before your deep work begins and keep it on your office door. Yeah, I know printing it out is very old school, but when you see it multiple times a day, you'll get used to this new ritual and soon you won't even reference it because it'll become second nature. So look, I'm going to leave it there for this episode because that's already a lot to get going with. And remember, you can read this as an article as well, so you can go back over anything. But next time in part two, I'm going to be sharing some nifty tech tools with you that either myself or colleagues have found super useful to help wrangle your email and social media distractions. And in that part two, I'll also be sharing a workbook that you can use to take yourself through all of this, along with a super helpful checklist at the end, so you can spot the distractions that you need to stay on top of. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.